to join us for prayer. How many of you, that makes sense to you and you would just wave at me and say, I'm good with that. Amen. Nobody will do anything strange. We just want to have prayer together uh, as a church family. Thank you to our praise team. Thank you, Brother Dennis. Wherever Jesus went, there were certain terms that really signified who he was and what he did. There is a term that springs to life off the pages of Scripture. And by the way, it's good to see the hearse here today. Madison's mom and dad and brothers are here. We welcome them back to new life. God bless you. We're thankful you're here. The term that comes to my mind when I think of Jesus immediately is the word miracles. Everybody say miracles. There are 38 of them that are mentioned in Scripture, including the opening of blind eyes, the healing of a crippled woman, the almost, and I usually don't use this word, but almost unbelievable miracle of turning water into wine, feeding 5,000 men, not counting women and children, with just a few loaves and some fish, casting out demons out of people and resurrecting people from the dead, just to name a few miracles. And then there's another word that is synonymous with Jesus and specifically his ministry, and that is the word crowds. He had crowds around him everywhere. Now, here's the thing about it. You don't have to raise too many people from the dead before a crowd starts gathering. You don't have to have too many people get up off a lame bed before it is noised abroad and people are curious. Matthew tells of great crowds that came from a ten-city region called Decapolis, just throngs of people beyond the Jordan River and many citizens from Jerusalem and even outside in Judea. And yet there's another couple of words that identify this man named Jesus, and it is the words religious resistance. That's a good alliteration right there, religious resistance. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious leaders of Judaism of that day, were constant antagonists against Jesus. They were always trying to bring accusation against him, and they were always lurking in the shadows somewhere, trying to find fault with this man named Jesus. Just to give you an example, Mark chapter number 3, Jesus healed a man's withered hand. And the Pharisees resented this action. They ignored the miracle that happened right before their eyes and instead began to berate Jesus because he dared to change someone's life on the Sabbath day. Now, I'm not going to get hung up here. I'm going to preach on past this point. But I want to go on notice this morning and tell the Lord this. Jesus, you can touch who you want. You can touch when you want. And you can touch however you want. How many of you know God doesn't have to ask our permission to work in people's lives? Now I want you to help pastor preach right now. If you believe this, I want you to say, Jesus, you can touch whoever you want. You can touch when you want. And you can touch however you want. Oh, I want God to know at the very outset of this new building that he can interrupt the status quo with a move of his spirit. I want God to know that there is not a service that is off limits for the power and the glory and the majesty of Almighty God to step in and to minister. Woo! Hallelujah! Now, here's the truth. I like structure. I'm a structured kind of guy. I had a meeting early this morning with a couple, a couple of couples, and I had bullet points for the meeting. 
And one of the men looked at me, Brother Joe or Brother Brian, one of them looked at me and said, I like bullet points. Why? Because it keeps us focused. It keeps us in. It keeps us on task. And we come into this house every single Sunday morning with a plan of how the service is going to fold out. But yet the Spirit of God sometimes has the audacity to ruin that plan. Now, I don't know if you know this, but we didn't have in the service flow, Brother Chris, to have prayer for the sick right when you did it. But just in case you're wondering, I'm all right with that. Why? Because I want to be the kind of, oh, I feel, I feel the Holy Ghost helping us today. I want to be the kind of person that puts the antenna up in the air and says, what is the Spirit saying? What is God wanting to do? What is the Holy Ghost speaking today? And get in the flow of the Spirit of God. Come on, new life. It could happen while I'm preaching. It could happen while we're in this building. There could be an explosive move of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. If you're thankful for that, would you shout amen? In Matthew chapter 22 and verse number 15, the Pharisees went and plotted how they might entangle him in his talk. They said, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? They were always trying to trip him up. There was always religious resistance. This is why it ought not to come as a surprise to any of us. If we carefully peruse scripture to find in Luke chapter 15 and verse number 1 where the scripture says, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, here was their complaint. Here was what they lodged as an accusation against Jesus. This man receives sinners and eats with them. Wow. You mean to tell me that I have healed blind eyes and opened deaf ears and raised the dead and you choose to make as your accusation that sinners feel okay coming near me. And you make as your act. Now, Jesus, I, he was probably a very nice man and didn't act like Tim Gaddy. You mean to tell me that the thing you're going to drum up against me is that I receive sinners and I eat with them. Now, here's the thing. Everybody look right here at Pastor. If that is the accusation against me, guilty as charged. Now don't get nervous. <gasps> Pastor, you've been hanging out in the bars. No, no. But here's why it doesn't bother me when there's brokenness among us. Because it doesn't bother Jesus when there's brokenness among us. Here's why we don't have to be perfect to be in his presence today. Because Jesus says, come as you are. Come as you are. You don't have to get cleaned up. You don't have to get perfect. Just get in my presence. So I'm going to try to preach this. And I may combust while I preach. But I'm going to preach it. Jesus receives me. Jesus receives me. Me. Now, if you are perfect today, I'm not preaching to you. I had a guy tell me years ago, I haven't sinned in 12 years. Whew. I busted his bubble. I said, you just did. Because the Bible says we all have sinned and come short of the glory of of God. Don't misunderstand this preacher. I'm not talking about staying in sin. I'm not talking about being sloppy about this thing. 
I'm not talking about being a sinner and saying, oh well. But if you are broken, and if you are undone, and if you are imperfect, you're welcome with Jesus. You're welcome in the presence of Jesus. Jesus receives me. He receives me. I can't help it at this station of life and specifically at this time with our church to be contemplative and to think back. I remember back in early 2000, we were having service in a rented denominational church, Hope Presbyterian Church here in Cabot. And uh, at that time, I had an office. We rented an office in a little strip mall and it was just for an office. So I had an eight foot table and a metal folding chair. That was my office. It was just uh, humble beginnings, but God was so good to us. And I remember a certain Saturday night in early 2000, I was in that rented office and I was putting my notes together for the sermon the next morning. And as I was sitting there on that metal folding chair, the, 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 the two words that kept coming in my mind over and over again was never alone, never alone, never alone. It was like it was thumping in my head, never alone, never alone. And so I finished putting the message, the sermon together, and then I had a thought go through my mind. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull back the curtain right now and give you a little insight into a preacher's mind. As I am looking over my notes for that next Sunday morning, I'm reading through them, Brother Harden, and here's the thought that came in my mind. God, I don't know anybody in our congregation that this will apply to. Now, some of you go, well, that's okay, Pat. No, no, listen. I'm the one doing the preaching. And I'm thinking, this doesn't apply to anybody. And we didn't have many people coming at the time, just a few people. But it, I'm going down the list of the people in our church, and I'm thinking, this doesn't apply to anybody. It was as though the Lord said, just preach it, just trust me. Have you ever had the Lord just nicely say, ah, just trust me? Can I get a hand to help a brother out or something? Okay. So I did. And I trusted him. And I went to church the next Sunday afternoon, the next afternoon. We had afternoon church. And there was probably, Sister Bennett may remember this, there were eight or nine of us in the service that day, maybe a few more. And I was up ready to receive the offering. And if, if memory serves me, Sister Courtney was on the keyboard and Brother Jason was playing the drums. And uh, I noticed right before I got up to receive the offering, there was a young lady that slipped in, brand new lady, hadn't seen her before. She slipped in and stood right in the back, near the back by the light switches. And she was dressed in all black and she had a black backpack on. And she just stood up against the back wall. Now, that didn't really intimidate me because, you know, as a church planter, you're thankful when anybody shows up. I mean, as a church planter, if a stray dog walks by, you'll count them. So I got ready to receive the offering and I made this statement. Let's give unto the Lord today because God has promised he will take care of us. Just a simple statement. And when I made that statement, that young lady exploded from the back of the church. How do you know God will take care of us? I've never known him to take care of me. How do you know that, preacher? Now, now let me stop here just long enough to explain something. In a church this size, Brother Tim can sneeze over here. And Sister Harden probably is not going to be aware of that. But when you have nine people in a church, anytime anything happens, everybody knows about it. So there is no hiding explosive girl from the rest of the people. And so, you know, I'm in my mind, I'm quickly thumbing back through my Bible school days. How did they teach us to take care of explosive situations in a church service? And nothing was coming into my mind. And so I just jumped out from behind the podium and I walked straight down the aisle and I said, come here, come here. And everybody in the church, all nine or ten people are going, oh Jesus, oh Jesus, oh Jesus, oh Jesus. I didn't have to tell them to pray, they just immediately went to prayer. We got nine people, the preacher and the explosive girl meeting in the aisle. And some of y'all are nervous right now. And I looked at her and I said, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Listen, 
Why are you so upset? And we stood for probably 10 minutes. Now that is a long time when people are praying, not sure what she's going to pull out of the backpack, not sure if there's going to be a wrestling match here any minute. I said, why are you so upset? And she, she began to spin a tale, a real life tale to me of how the fact that just a few days earlier her parents had kicked her out of their house. And she went to live with her boyfriend and just the night before he had abandoned her. And she literally was walking down the street and feeling like she was the only person in the world and saw a few cars in a, in a church parking lot and wandered in and stood at the back of the, of the house and began to hear me talk about how God would take care of us. And she said to me, she said, Preacher, I feel all alone in the world. And it all became clear to me. I said, Sis, would you trust me in something? And she said, What are you talking about? I said, Would you trust me if I told you that I believe God gave me a sermon to preach to you today? She kind of mumbled something like that. I said, come sit on the front row, and I want you to give me an assurance that you're not going to blurt out in the middle of the sermon. <laughs> to which she said, I said, no, I need to hear it from your mouth. She said, okay, I won't blurt out. She came and sat on the front row, and I began to preach the sermon, never alone. The one that the Lord, how many of you know Jesus loves us enough? To speak a word to a stranger. To speak to another stranger. Because he loves us that much that he doesn't want to leave us alone. Now New Life, can I preach to you this morning? There are some lessons that I learned from that day until now. Number one, I never know who God is preparing to be in his house I never know who God is talking to to be in the sanctuary. Can I tell you? You might have come here thinking you were coming with friends, but God knew you were coming before you ever walked in this house. God knows what we have need of before we ever even voice it with our mouth. I never know who God is preparing. I learned something else that day. I never truly know what people are dealing with internally. Now, I do remember this from Bible college. Brother Joe, I'm going to throw this to you. I do remember this. Brother Danny Odo was my preaching teacher, and he said this valuable information. He said, never judge the effectiveness of your sermon by the faces in the audience. Now, let me just add the Gaddy addendum on that. I sure like it when you at least let me know you're awake. <laughs> or if something resonates, a nod is nice. A wave. How many of you know there's an anointing in the pulpit and there's anointing in the chair? There's a give and a take, an ebb and a flow about preaching. But I have seen people come into the presence of God. And never change their face. And then the Spirit of the Lord starts moving. And they never change their face. But at some point, whoo, there's a breaking that happens. At some point, there's a moment when you can't take it anymore. And God touches us body, soul, and spirit. And that person who was stone-faced, that never acted like God was touching them, just can't take it anymore. Can I tell you something? We might as well let him work today. We might as well yield over to him today. We might as well let him touch us from the top of our head to the sole of our feet. So I have preached for 19 minutes.
to get to the main point of my sermon. And it's the third thing that I realized that day in early 2000, and that is this. God cares immensely about lost things. Lost people, lost hope, lost dreams. Jesus has performed a remarkable miracle in a house by healing a paralyzed man. It's in Luke chapter 5 and verse number 26 where the scripture says of the audience, and they were all amazed and glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, we have seen strange things today. Watch this now. So what did Jesus do after this magnificent move of healing? Did he go get a tent? Put up a banner? Healing crusade. Did he rise to a place of prominence? So he had to be escorted around by an entourage announcing his arrival? No. The Bible says after the magnificent healing in Luke chapter 5 and verse 27, after these things, he went out and he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office. He said to him, follow me. So he left all and rose up and followed him. Then Levi gave him a great feast in his own house. Watch this. And there were a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with them. In response to the healing, Jesus said, I'm going to find people on the down and the out. I'm going to find people that culture says are not worthy. I'm going to find people that are, are despicable in people's eyes. And I'm going to give them an opportunity to be near to me, to feel my spirit, to feel my heart. Incense the scribes and the Pharisees. And they began to complain and said, you are eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners. And it is in this moment that Jesus rocks the establishment with a truth that is embedded in the 31st and the 32nd verse of Luke chapter number 5. And here it is. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Oh, I'm going to preach it like I feel it from the Holy Ghost today. This man named Jesus, he receives people who are less than perfect. This man named Jesus receives us right where we are at. You say, Pastor, I got a long way to go to be like the Lord. Get in line, brother. Get in line, sister. But we can come to him because he receives us. The word receive is very simple. It means to give access to oneself, to accept and not to reject, to look for, to wait for. That's what Jesus does for us today. Let me preach it like I feel it from the Lord. Somebody in this house today, right now, on this Sunday morning, feels displaced, you feel alone, you feel perplexed, and you feel fearful. Well, I've got good news for you today. Philippians 4 and 17, if we will pray and we will make our petitions known to God, thanking Him, here's the promise, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. I've come to serve notice on somebody's spirit right now. You don't have to live in torment another night longer. You don't have to live with disturbance in your spirit a moment longer. But this Jesus receives us today. This Jesus calls us to Him today. This Jesus is very interested in our imperfection. Psalm 55 and verse 22, cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. Everybody say it, Jesus receives me. Now, there perhaps is no greater chapter in all of the Bible that speaks to this than Luke chapter 15. It is in this triad in Scripture, three parts. 
that we see something so very powerful about this character of Jesus. Jesus tells truth in a very unique way called a parable or a made-up story. In verses 4 through 6, he's speaking about a shepherd and sheep. In fact, it's in the fourth verse that he says it like this. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? Now, I want you to notice something that I only saw recently in this passage, and I've been reading this chapter my whole life. But I want you to notice something in that verse right there. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them. Who is Jesus talking about? He's talking about the role of a shepherd. And somehow the sheep was lost by the shepherd. There is something that is a job description for a shepherd that trumps every other job, and that is to keep and take care and guide and protect the sheep. And yet perhaps it was due to improper oversight. But one of the sheep was lost by the shepherd. It doesn't say that the sheep got lost by himself. It says the shepherd lost one. I am preaching this morning to people that some have come from situations where shepherds have hurt. I'm going to preach it just like God gave it to me. I haven't come to patty cake around. I haven't come to placate. I haven't come to cast stones at people. But I recognize on this Sunday morning, listen... I'm not trying to elevate my position above other people, but I am saying this. My words matter. Now, by the way, you didn't have to say amen for me to believe that. I know that's true. A preacher's words matter. And so I'll just tell you right now, if I have ever given off an air or a spirit of speaking down to people or abusing someone with my words, I give you my full uh, confidence in telling you that was never meant to happen. Please forgive me if I have ever done that. I understand that a lot of what my role is in the church is giving words to help build people up and encourage people and bring them close to the Lord. But hear me right now. If you in your lifetime have ever been wounded or lost by a shepherd, you do not become the exception for restoration. Because the great shepherd receives you back today. The one whose job it is to get you from here to heaven is calling for you. Come home. Come home. Come home. Come home. If you've had people say things against you, if you've had people speak down to you, if you've had people rebuke you publicly and cause you pain, is there a time for rebuke? Yes, the Bible says that. But if you have been wounded by a shepherd, can I tell you something? You're not looking at a shepherd right here, but I want you to put your eyes on the good shepherd today who is calling for you and he receives us. Preachers are under shepherds. Listen. By the way, whoo, man, I feel dangerous today, Brother Jason. Don't come up to me and blast preachers. Don't come up in the altar and say, let me tell you what my preacher did to me five, five, ten years ago. Because I have learned over the years, people that will do that for one preacher. I'll be in line next. I don't want my confidence to be in man. I don't want to serve God because man is telling me to serve God. I don't want to serve God out of fear of somebody on this earth. But I want my confidence to be in that great shepherd that says, bring me your brokenness. Bring me your hurt. Come to me and I will receive you. Praise God. In verse number 8, the scenario changes and now it's a woman 
in her house who's lost a coin? What woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? This, this lostness was in the normal course of life. Life got busy. Structure got busy. Things just kind of were humming along. And somehow, in the normal routine of life, something that was very valuable came up missing. Now, it's interesting in Scripture, and I like looking at this, when, when, when the Scripture talks about a drachma, that really is a ten-coin arrangement that was used in the marriage covenant. I know that sounds big and elaborate, but they had customs in the Jewish way of thinking that were different than ours. But they would have a ten-coined arrangement that spoke of the marriage covenant. But somehow that was incomplete because one of the coins was lost. And it was lost in the normal course of life. So what did, what did the lady do? The Bible says she began to sweep the house. No, she didn't go out of the house. She swept the house. She wanted to find what was lost in the normal course of life. I'm preaching to people here today who sometimes it's easy to talk about prayer and then in the normal course of life something gets lost in prayer. Preaching to people that know, we know to live for God and we know to be a Christian yet somehow in the busyness of life and in the, the flow of our life we all of a sudden realize something's missing that should be there. You're welcome at Jesus' feet. He receives us. And then perhaps the part of Luke 15 that is the most prolific from verses 11 up to 32, the Bible says that a father had two sons and the younger son said to his dad, give me the portion of my inheritance. And perhaps there was a, a deeper conversation that went on between the dad and the younger son. Son, listen, you're going to get a lot more if you'll just stay in the house. No, I want my inheritance right now. And so the father gave him a portion that was due to him. And the Bible says that he went out and he wasted his inheritance with what the King James Version says is riotous living or just lavish, foolish living. Must have been something for that boy to wake up several days later. He's in a pig pen. He's feeding pigs. And in his memory, he can remember what that bed felt like at his dad's house. He can remember the meals that were served at the kitchen table. He can remember the safety and the provision, the goodness and the warmth. He remembered the fireplace. He remembered the, the good feeling when he was at his father's house. And yet as he surveys his reality, he is surrounded by unclean animals. And he is so hungry that he's wanting to reach down to the slop that he's feeding the pigs and start eating it. You have to be pretty hungry for that to happen. And then the scripture says this, in that pit of misery, he starts talking to himself. How many hired servants in dad's house have bread to eat and then some left over? He said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I will arise and I will go to my father's house and I will say to my father, I have sinned and I'm no more worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your servants. There exists in the Bible perhaps no greater example of redemption when over the hill comes a foolish child and standing at the front door is a forgiving father. Amen. For every foolish child, there's a forgiving father. For every person who your 
lostness today is not attributed to a shepherd and it's not attributed to the normal course of life. It is attributed solely to foolish living. I've got good news for us today. There is a forgiving father who is standing by the front door and every day looking down that lane wondering if today is going to be the day that my son comes home. Let, let me just preach it just a moment and I, our musicians can make their way. But let, let me just preach it. It probably took a while for that boy to get home. But the moment that father glimpsed that boy coming down that street, the Bible does not say, hear me right now. I'm preaching to some prodigal right now. Can you hear this preacher right now? I'm preaching to somebody you used to serve the Lord. You knew what it was to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You went down in the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus. But if really we're honest with ourselves, we're not where we need to be with God today. I'm preaching to you right now and I'm telling you, for every step you take back toward the Father's house, there is a forgiving Father that is looking for you right now. He is standing and look. He did not wait at the porch and cross his arms and say, he's going to have to come and grovel at my feet. He's going to have to come and tell me what a great dad I am and what a horrible son he has been. The son had already decided that's what he was going to have to do. But the father has a perspective that is completely different. Oh, come on, somebody. I want you to hear this preacher right now. Daddy did not go and get in the pen with him, but he stood at the father's house. He didn't change who he was. He didn't change where he was. He said, when that boy comes home, I'm going to be at the same place that I was when he left this house. I've come to tell somebody that used to be filled with the Holy Ghost, it still is for you today. It still is for you today. I'm telling somebody that used to be baptized, it still is for you today. It still is for you today. Come on. Jesus receives me. Jesus receives me. Hear me right now. Your sin my sin is never greater than Calvary. You have not done enough that outlasts the power of the old rugged cross. You and I haven't sinned enough to alienate ourselves from the mercy and the grace of Almighty God. Jesus receives me. If you're here and you're thankful for that, I wish you'd stand right now and just give God praise for that. If we have some recipients of grace right now, whoo, if we have some men and some women here right now that are recipients of the grace of God, oh, hallelujah. Come on, you don't have to get perfect. You just got to get headed in the right direction. You don't have to have perfection all over. You just got to turn and come walking back toward the Father's house. Woo! Come on, somebody. You're in a church that's going to start rejoicing when you just head in the right direction. <laughs> Woo! Man, I feel a breakthrough spirit in this house today. David, when the Ark of the Covenant was coming back to Jerusalem... The Bible says that when the ark was on its way back, after six paces, it had not got back to Jerusalem yet, but it was on the right road. And one, two, three, four, five, six, David stops the procession. He says, we're not back where it needs to be yet, but we're not going to stop our praise, and we're not going to paralyze our praise right now. Come on, somebody. You just head in the right direction and let rejoicing take root. Let rejoicing break loose. Come on, the Bible says there is joy in the presence of the angels over one person that repents. 
Hallelujah. Now, God wants to, to bring prodigals back home today. God wants to refill people in the Holy Ghost today. God wants to let some imperfect people have a brand new lease on life today. So hear this preacher right now. Nothing should keep us from Jesus today. Listen, don't let the devil keep you from Jesus. Don't let the people around you keep you from Jesus. Ready? Here we go. Don't let yourself keep you from Jesus. Jesus receives me. Woo. I want us to bow our heads and begin to pray. I need some people who are intercessors that know how to pray. I need you to pray with me right now. I need you to pray in the spirit right now. Come on, ma'am, sir, I'm preaching to you right now. If you're here right now, right now, right now, and the spirit of God's speaking to you, you're ready for God to touch you. You're ready for God to receive you. I want you real quick to step out from where you are. I'm calling for you right now. The Holy Ghost is calling for you right now. If you are here, you need a refreshing of the Spirit. You've been with Him and you're away from Him, but you're here. something is resonating in your spirit. Something is identifying in your spirit today. Come on, I'm preaching for some courageous men right now. I'm preaching for some courageous women right now. I'm preaching for some brand new guests that the Holy Ghost is speaking to your spirit right now. Come on, we're all going to come in a moment. I want to just I want to see where you're at right now. I want the Holy Ghost. I want the Lord to see where we're at right now. Come on, keep your heads bowed. This is not a public display. This is not us taking an inventory, but the Holy Ghost is calling for us right now. The Holy Ghost is calling for us right now. Woo! Hallelujah. Come on, if it's been a while since you prayed through, why don't you make it today? If it's been a while since you felt a breakthrough in your spirit, why don't you make it today? This man named Jesus receives us. He receives us. He receives us. He receives us. Now, if you're here, listen very carefully. If you're here and you know somebody that is away from the Lord, and you want to come and stand in their stead right now. And you're going to say, Lord, I'm going to stand in their place. I can't do it for them, but I'm going to let my posture be a posture of intercession for them. And you love them enough to do that. I wish you'd step out from where you are, and I want you to come and pray for that person. I want you to come with a name in your mind, a face on your mind, something that you're holding up to the Lord. Come on. Come on, quickly, step out, step out, quickly, quickly. Let's make our way up here. This man named Jesus, he receives me today. Woo! I think it would amaze us what is happening in the spirit world right now. With sons and daughters and husbands and wives and grandparents and grandchildren that are being called out to the Lord right now. Come on, lift up your voice and pray with me right now. Oh, yes, Lord. Come on, the rest of us, would you come? Would you come? Let's gather together and pray. Let's gather together and pray. Let's come forward and pray. That means you, my brother. That means you, my sister. Come on, let's pray. Let's call on the name of the Lord right now. Let's reach out to a forgiving Father. Let's reach out to a great shepherd. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, that's it. Let a spirit of intercessory prayer come on you right now. Let a spirit of intercessory prayer come on you right now. This man named Jesus, he receives me. Come on, He takes us with our imperfections. He takes us with our mess. He receives us.
Come on, the Holy Ghost is doing a great work right now. The Holy Ghost is doing a great work in this house right now. Are you hurting the way Come on, wanted to reach over and pray with someone that's near you right now. It might be your prayer that brings that breakthrough in their life. You don't know what they're dealing with right now. Come on, we don't know what God's doing in their life right now. Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open yes, wide. Forgiveness was born with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was born. The precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, yes, Lord. Come on, let's let prayer break loose right now. Let's let the Holy Ghost break loose in our life right now. Yes, Lord. Jesus is calling. Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes a new hope is born. Jesus is calling. Oh, oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was born with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, Hallelujah. Come on, it's in our brokenness that we're made strong. The Father's heart. Hallelujah. 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 Forgiveness. Hallelujah. to Jesus. He receives us today. He receives us this morning. Oh, yes, Lord. Oh, what a Savior. Isn't he wonderful? Oh, hallelujah. Sing hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Christ Come on, he loves us that much. He loves us that much to give us a sermon for us, to speak something clearly to us. He loves us that much. He loves us that much. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, what a Savior. Oh, what a Savior. 
Oh, what a Savior. Thank you, Jesus. Sing hallelujah, Christ is risen. Come on, sing it, Brother Zane. Oh, what a Savior. Oh, oh what a Savior. Oh, what a Savior. Isn't He wonderful? Hallelujah, sing hallelujah. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Oh, sing it again. What a Savior. Oh, what a Savior. Hallelujah. Isn't He wonderful? Sing hallelujah. Sing hallelujah. Christ is I feel hope springing alive today. I feel hope springing alive today. Praise God. Praise God. My wife will tell you that there is not a time that she and I pray together at our house, whether it's she and I together or my children and us praying together, that I do not say this. Very infrequently do I miss saying this. God, I thank you for your mercy that is new every morning. I'm going to let you go in just a minute, but folks, I want you to stop and think what that means. That means every single day we live, when the first ray of sunshine comes over the horizon, Bill, his mercy's new. His mercy's brand new. When people have given up on us, Jesus hasn't given up on us. When you've given up on yourself, Jesus hasn't given up on you. He receives us. Everybody say it. He receives us. Amen. Praise God. I pray that somehow through this service, Hope has sprung alive for somebody. I pray somehow something is recharged in our spirit. Thank you, Lord, for the great outpouring of your spirit today. Thank you for those that have been filled with the Holy Ghost, refilled in the Holy Ghost today, Lord. Thank you for those that have turned in the right direction this morning, Lord. We praise you. We glorify you. We give ourselves to you. We yield ourselves to you, Lord. Keep your hand on your church this week, Lord. Let this be a glorious, glorious week. For it will thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I pray that you're blessed. I pray the hand of God would be upon you. His face would smile on you this week. Go in the fear of God and the love of God. Guests, thank you for coming. Hope to get to meet you before you leave today. May the Lord bless you. You're dismissed in the great name of Jesus. Thank you for being at New Life today. Oh, yeah.